0: Let's uh, let's get get your coffee your water whatever you got. I have both <laughs> same I, that's that's why I sent that zoom link slightly late I was like look if I'm gonna be sitting here talking for an hour I want to have a nice hot cup of coffee in front of me, and I'm gonna make totally it right fair I am halfway through my second cup <laughs> I'm really fortunate uh, that I, this is my first because i got a long day ahead of me (laughs) yes let's go a long way oh i will say um i went to visit
1: my friend a few about a month ago and they introduced me to oat milk creamer i can't go back oh my god it's so good like if if you like a sweet cup of coffee but not like you know not like a like a starbucks frappuccino or something but like The flavored oat milk creamers are like, they're sweeter than normal creamer by themselves, so I don't even need to add any sugar whatsoever. Just a splash of that creamer does the trick, and it's just, it's delightful.
0: I I would consider it. My problem, I actually just drink black coffee, and the reason... That's the healthiest choice. It is the healthiest. uh, If you're going to have a debilitating addiction to caffeine, this is the healthiest (laughs) way to go about it. Absolutely. Um, The thing is, like, creamer always gave me an aftertaste. Which I like kind of just sticks in your mouth, and I constantly then I'm like, I'm like doing that a lot because there's like that, because that like fatty, you know, milk is still there. But with like, I imagine with oatmeal creamer or, uh, not like almond milk or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Yeah. Oat milk, almond milk, that it would be a little bit less, but I don't know. I don't don't have the guts to try it. (laughs) Can't drop those $3 for a bottle. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> besides I kind of just now I, I've I've gotten myself to a point where I prefer the bitter taste I tried
1: like... I want to and then like once every year or two I'll go for like a week stint on just black coffee but then I'll be like I can have a little creamer and I'll put like a little bit in and then, and then I wean myself back to normal creamer habits and w- I
0: don't know yeah the way Ugh. that I did it was I worked at Starbucks um, after I'd already worked other barista jobs, so I was familiar with, you know, like an initiation process for some barista jobs where you have to like drink a straight shot of espresso or something, yeah. which when you're a high schooler, who's never done that before, it's oh. pretty, you know, it's a good, it's a, it's a decent initiation. Yeah. Um, but for Starbucks, it wasn't an initi- It was like, here's what we call a coffee passport. You have to try all of the coffees in the store and you have to write about them all in this little booklet
1: oh my friend did that yeah actually yeah. i've totally heard that
0: and uh, like it would be they fun start, to yeah they, well they started me off with french press french roast no creamer nothing and, and i was that, like, like the most
1: concentrated
0: it's oh it's so concentrated but <laughs> but she's like look no no hold on uh my my she's like try this and gave me a hot cheese danish and holy shit I never went back to cream and sugar and coffee because when you pair it with something like that, it's like the perfect thing to pair it with. Interesting. Yeah. yeah.
1: That seems like something they, they really do to you at Starbucks. Cause once my friend started working there, you know, he really did learn about all the different pairings and like the different notes and accents of different coffees and how best to serve them, which is, mm-hmm. it's got, it's a fascinating science to be sure.
0: It's bullshit. It's all bullshit. <laughs> That's what I was uh, wondering how similar like, is it to wine and stuff <laughs> yeah it's it's very much like there is there are differences of course like blonde coffee is not the same as dark roast but like it's so the differences are so minute between different dark roasts mm-hmm. unless they're like l- l- using literally like completely different flavors in the coffee like flavored coffee mm-hmm. that it's not really worth trying to describe I feel like it's just splitting yeah. hairs at that point oh yeah from
1: my experience as a non-coffee aficionado there is good coffee and bad coffee like for a while i was drinking the like off-brand store brand coffee and there is honestly a big difference between that and like the on-brand stuff there's a reason it's so much cheaper Mm -hmm. um so once i think i think right now i'm drinking i think this is just new england brand
0: how do you make Uh, your coffee
1: uh k-cups <laughs>
0: k-cups okay yeah I mean, it's not they're not terrible but it's definitely sort of like I, that's like the lowest quality of coffee that i i like to drink like if i'm yeah, gonna i'm, I'm i don't like having it. any like instant coffee or anything lower than than that you I've know what tried,
1: i mean i try instant coffee and I, again i'm like this would be so easy but it's it's never the right consi- it's not even the right consistency you know it's usually like you know it's like normal th- brewing coffee adds a thickness to it
0: yeah, I was just gonna say. It's like it's thin, mm-hmm. and also it's so caffeinated, it gives me the fucking shakes. Like, I don't... I don't <laughs> like instant coffee. It's, like, See, too I'm, much.
1: I'm so tolerant to caffeine at this point. Because I've bounced between coffee and energy drinks and everything for the last decade of my life, so, like, caffeine gets me alive. I no longer shake from it or anything.
0: Yeah. I, I've had to... Wean myself down uh, because I'm also, I have ADHD and I take Adderall. Oh,
1: um, how does that interact?
0: Well, you know, when you take one stimulant and mix it with another stimulant, you become very <laughs> stimulated. Uh, <laughs> you're a very stimulated uh, fellow. So I got sort of used to when I started taking Adderall and I was still drinking regular caffeine and coffee. I was like... Fucking lightning! I could I could make so much stuff. I'd be so productive for like two days straight, mm-hmm. and then you know you get diminishing returns, and I would just feel anxious and not be able to get things done. Mm. And then if I stopped taking the Adderall, I'd go and I still this still happens. It's like a like a a day period of withdrawal where I'm just extremely low mood, low uh pr- productivity like dopamine is like in the dump, so i just can't yeah. bring myself to do anything um
1: interesting that's actually exactly how i feel on days where uh so i take uh prozac just like a mm-hmm. tiny tiny little antidepressant like five milligrams a day um but yeah if i skip that and i skip my coffee i don't feel the effects until like mid to late afternoon But the Mm -hmm. following day, oh my God, yeah, I'm a lump in my bed with no motivation, and I just sit there feeling sorry for myself.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, I've been feeling that way a lot lately, actually. I lied a bit. You said, How are you doing? I was like, Good, but actually, not really.
1: (laughs) Mood, fucking public social mannerisms. Yeah, I'm fine, dude. You know, (laughs) yeah, it's
0: been, it's been kind of, I mean, Gen Con was amazing. I loved Gen Con. Fucking blast uh and then i came back and like my room has been basically a mess ever since and i just mm-hmm. haven't cleaned it up um and i think that's kind of fed into it a little bit but also just like by the way none of this is making the fucking episode we're just ch- oh, we're not gonna right
1: start now. with with coffee and depression that's not the title of this episode coffee, coffee and depression, depression. <laughs> it would be a great title
0: actually <laughs> yeah, the thing is i've been ch- i've been thinking about changing my format up uh ch- yeah. like changing the titles of the episodes i think i'm going to start to you know what fuck it i'll do with this one we're gonna call this episode coffee and depression i'm gonna cold open on this conversation
1: awesome no context
0: no context just just us talking and then (laughs) uh cue music now Welcome to podcasts and players. Thank you for sitting through that very long unusual cold opening. I'm changing up the show. Alright, I'm getting crazy with it. Uh, And with me today, you've already uh, heard him speak a little bit. This is a good friend Brogan from No Nat Ones. That's me. Hello. I'm
1: waving my hand and you cannot see a thing.
0: Welcome. Uh, I, I this is a very short introduction. Usually, I do like the whole like you know. Uh, Brogan does a channel about Pathfinder and uh, mostly second edition <laughs> videos and blah blah blah. But a lot of people, I think, will already know who you are. But in case they don't, why don't you kind of give us the rundown? What do you what do you do on your channel?
1: Uh, so I, as as Shane just said, I do cover Pathfinder second edition. Right now, I am in the middle of covering. So much new content because Pathfinder in the last two months has gotten three completely new supplement books. So I'm trying to keep up and cover all of that. when I'm not overwhelmed with new mechanics then I you know I, I talk about the book I talk about the mechanics how they work my thoughts on them balancing whatnot when I'm not overwhelmed with new stuff I like to do some comedy skits I like to collaborate with other with other creators and really just do everything that every other TTRPG creator likes to do because we're all very similar in this nerdy play pretend game we all love
0: <laughs> yeah and we're all anxious and depressed as you now know uh, true. the curtain has been parted <laughs> and you see us for what we really are. Fucking lumps in our beds. Uh, it's true,
1: <laughs> except for when we manage to pull ourselves out and do stuff like this because it makes us feel better.
0: <laughs> I am I am swaddled right now in a blanket in my chair. <laughs> Are you <laughs> actually? Computer. Kinda like well, it's waist down, and then I put on like a little sweat, like a zip up sweatshirt. That's um, adorable. <laughs> yeah, I'm very much. I, I don't get heating in in my room. Oh, you don't have uh, any heat. I think the the whole like house has heat, but this room like we don't have heat in our apartment really. It's more oh, of like. Word. It's not central heating. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> it's there is like a heater somewhere in the basement, and there are vents in like the living room, and that's Yikes. it.
1: Wow. Yeah, we're we're kind of lucky. We're on the third floor of an apartment complex, so we haven't had to turn our heater on yet because everyone below us turns their heater on. And then we get the rising heat from them for free.
0: (laughs) That is pretty nice. Kind of nice. Yeah, I uh, it's uh, I'm living out here in the boonies. So it's (laughs) like right now, uh, you know, my if my Internet gets cut, it's because it's like windy and raining Uh, but it's like very cold, very early in the year. And then it, God, I remember 2018's winter. It was so cold. It was like the negatives every day. And I had to walk Mm -hmm. to work. I would walk outside and my eyebrows would stiffen.
1: Walking to work in winter?
0: Yes. Oh my God. I don't own a car.
1: That's awful. I remember 2018, I was working at a cafe. So I'd have to wake up at 5 a.m. And just the walk to my car and from the car to my job. You know, like across the parking lot was torture. I can't imagine how far did you have to walk.
0: A uh, good eleven minutes. Ugh. I would, I would get extremely like layered up, and I was working at a cafe at the time too. So like, ah. I, I would walk into like the town area, and uh, thankfully I didn't, I didn't have to get up that early because it was like a mom and pop shop mm-hmm. where there's like one guy who owned it, and he would always open. So like, he opened nice. every day, but um anyway i digress
1: (laughs) there'll be a lot of digressing today i
0: feel (laughs) oh yeah yeah Uh, you know a good conversation is good conversation that's that's the long and short of it but uh let's let's talk a little bit about you uh why did you why are you doing youtube like what the fuck right like what's up (laughs) with that
1: so i was absolutely i was the perfect age when youtube was really hitting its stride you know I was 16 in 2011. So, you know, that was really when people started, uh, you know, YouTube was becoming a job. People were finding livelihood and stuff on YouTube. And namely, uh, Let's Plays were getting super popular. You know, your your Markiplier, I actually, I don't know if Markiplier existed yet, but uh, people like Chugga Conroy, Proton John, Nintendo Capri Sun, they were people I aspired to be like. At that age, I had never even played... D&D or anything before, but I did play video games, and I watched people playing video games on YouTube, and I wanted people to watch me playing video games on YouTube. Uh, So there was a time when I was that awkward 16-year-old high schooler who had no idea what he was doing, making the cringiest Let's Plays on YouTube, and good God, some of them are still out there on private, and they're they're
0: so bad. (laughs) I mean... That's an award in and of itself, cringy. <laughs> Welcome to NoNet1's. the cringiest Let's Plays on YouTube. Oh, I wasn't NoNet1's
1: back then. That's, I'm was, sure you had a different oh.
0: name. You had to change it up, but uh, Game Boyer Seven Twenty One. Oh, now you're Docs. Now everyone's gonna look it <laughs> up, including <laughs> well, they me. They can find the
1: channel. They've got there's there's some more recent stuff on there from like. 2019 I think because I overhauled the channel again. I have overhauled that channel multiple times and tried some other channels. Uh, Nonat1s was actually my fifth and it was going to be my final time attempting to make content creation a career. Um, it, content creation to me have always had a very interesting relationship. Yes, especially you know in high school and college, it was definitely a hobby, but it was a hobby that I wanted to become a career. And between video games, hanging out with friends, hanging out with family, whatever, I didn't really have time for content creation to just be a hobby in my adult life. So ever since I was about 21, 22, I've really tried my damnedest to make content creation my career, make it my job, pay my bills, etc. Um, and I, I won't lie. it's It's been tough, you know, especially starting out. You need to treat this job, quote unquote, like a 40 hour a week career that doesn't pay you anything. You know, you need to give it all of the respect and all of the effort of a full time job with nothing in return. Yep. So um, I did that. Uh, but before before I was known at ones, I did live stream. I was uh, live streaming for my job. For a while in early 2019 or late 2019, early 2020, I was live streaming on Caffeine.TV, which is a streaming service nobody uses. And mm-hmm. when when I joined, there was some people. And two years later, when I left, there was some people, uh, but it, it never quite took off. So when I, I lost my streaming contract with Caffeine, I actually... Don't do this. Anyone who's listening, don't do what I did. It's stupid. It can get you in a lot of trouble. Uh, I took out a small business loan. Uh, I took advantage oh. of the national small business. So because of, of the virus and everything, the government was like, hey, if you have a small business, we will give you a loan. And I said, technically, this is a small business. Here I go. I, j- I made my at ones channel about three months before I lost my streaming contract. So... I took out a small loan and said, I'm going to buy equipment. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to use some of this money just to live off of. And if by the time I run out of money, I can't live like this, that's it. I'm not going to do content creation. I got lucky. You know, some of my videos took off. I got some traction and I was able to start making money. My Patreon did very well uh, and it saved my ass. Don't do that. (laughs) It's not smart. But, um, it did work out. And that sort of led me to where I am now. You know, I dove into this channel head first. I took it more seriously than anything I'd done before. I, I took everything I learned from all my previous failed attempts. You know, every time you fail, you got to learn something. And luckily, this time I applied all of that and I got lucky. And I am like a C-list YouTuber, but it pays my bills and I'm very happy about it.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah. Honestly, that's that is uh not i was gonna say the dream not for everybody but definitely a dream that i I would like to eventually reach one day problem is is like the thing you figured out is you knew what kind of content you wanted to make and you Mm -hmm. could make it regularly enough that it would please the algorithm gods you know and so like
1: absolutely that's super important
0: Oh, yeah, no worries. Sorry.
1: Not, I, I don't mean to cut you off. I, I sorry. I like to say things before I lose them because I lose thoughts really Go for fast. It. Um, but on that subject of constant algorithm pleasing content, that's part of the reason I took out the loan. I knew if I had to get another job and try to make known one's work, the algorithm wasn't going to like me if I was putting out one or two videos a week when I first started out um and i still try to do it now uh but i was pumping out three sometimes four videos a week just to get that watch time just to get those views and please that algorithm and i firmly believe if i was not able to put out as much content as i did i would not be anywhere close to where i am today
0: yeah it's it's tough uh especially like i I was gonna say like when when you're an animator it's a lot more Mm. time intensive for a lot less output you know, yeah. um, the mm-hmm. way that I've seen like friends like ink and Aiden kind of doing it is they quick and messy, man. They don't, they don't waste time <laughs> on their stuff. They, they get an idea. They put pen to paper and just pump that shit out and it works like people like seeing that short type style content, but I've always been a perfectionist and that's my downfalls. Like I take too long on my stuff. But.
1: It's it is really hard. There was a time, of like four, you know, four or five years back, in the rise of Odd Ones Out, the rise of Jaden Animations, all those big animators. I don't know what happened to the algorithm. There was a time when you know eight minute long animated life story videos topped the charts. Everybody saw them in everybody's recommended feed. And then they disappeared. You know, like those YouTubers are still doing well because they already have the audience. Mm-hmm. But I don't see animation in my recommended feed at all anymore. It's gone.
0: Yeah, it's that is a. um, You know, now that you mention, I think there's some runoff from that because like so that was like 2016 because they changed the mm-hmm. animation rules. Uh, it used to be shorter animations actually did very well. Uh, so, you had a lot of people from Newgrounds who came to YouTube to put their animations on YouTube, and they did well. And then they changed the rules, and Ross O'Donovan made a video at the time about it how, like, that's sort of bullshit and it, like, suppresses animation. So, then you had, in response to that, story time animators who could make less, like, lower effort animations that didn't have so much going on, but that were focusing on the story being told more than the actual animation. Yeah. Um, and so you could have longer content getting that view time. And so, like you said, it popped off because that didn't really I mean, Domics and Swoozy were around, but they weren't doing it frequently enough, really, to make it sort of its own deal until uh Jaden and, and One's out kinda mm-hmm. corner the market. And obviously there's some others out there too. <laughs> um and then that blew up and now that's sort of that's sort of like ironed itself out or like kind of like concrete's hardened now there is a there is a structure there that isn't gonna be kind of moved at this point exactly
1: it's a it's a sub-genre of youtube at this point you know that that's still frame story time uh animation you know and yeah, like like you said yeah lower effort you know i don't i don't want to call them low efforts i'm sure they still take just hours and patience and whatnot but yeah, you know, they, they are easier to make, and YouTube likes them more. So, of course, that's gonna be the, the standard fare. And I
0: think the algorithm has shifted now, because again, uh, what is interesting changes over the years and stuff, and people have seen the Storytime stuff. Like, that m- That sort of movement has already come and sort of settled. And like, obviously, yes. people who still like that, they're gonna still watch their pit. Pay- Just like Let's Plays. Like, Let's Plays mm-hmm. was a whole thing, All these new Let's Plays channels came out, and now there really aren't. I mean, there's lots of new ones coming out all the time, but like there aren't new ones that are getting a lot of traction generally. Uh, People are just sort of like, oh, yeah, I watch Game Grumps or I watch Oni Price. And or Mark or Septicai or, or, or whatever, so it's like, yeah, you know, you're kind of stuck with what you got, and like, yeah, you could go and look up new people, but like, it's the personalities that are interesting. Same with the story times; it's the personalities. There's only so many personalities you can get to know uh, right. as a consumer. But um with the D and D animation thing, I was gonna say there's some runoff there too because I think, uh, thankfully, I think that D and D is an evergreen thing. Where, like, Mm storytime stuff can get sort of old when it's, like, a lot of the same type of story, I suppose. Like, personally, I have no interest in, like, uh, a lot of the storytime animations that talk about, like, here's a story that happened to me at school, and it's like, I don't care. Right. But I'm also a fucking 30-year-old man, so maybe that's part (laughs) of it.
1: A lot of it does come down, like you said, to the personality. I know for me at least, uh, when it comes to the story itself, I don't care quite as much. It's all in the presentation to me. Uh, it's it's about the person telling it, their comedic timing, all the stuff like that. And I, that's where I think James and Jaden really – that's why they cornered the market. They are charismatic. Mm-hmm. And so
0: it was much more about how they told the story – Rather than the story itself, I think there's also some, at least for like Jaden, there's like a earnestness there that's appealing. Mm-hmm. Like when, like there's there's a sort of like trend that animators who animate they're like quirky and introverted and stuff like that, and people really like that. But like there is a sort of, you know, that's 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 almost a trope now at this point, right? Oh, absolutely.
1: That's a trope across pretty much every subgenre it's like because, well, because so many people on the Internet are, you know, the shy, nervous, introverted types who can be themselves thanks to online anonymity. So those people who were able to overcome that and show that about themselves, so many people latched on because it's so relatable.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. I think I tried to go for something different because I am actually very much an introvert uh, and I barely leave my house, but I wanted to kind of (laughs) sell myself as like uh, somebody cool. I mean, (laughs) you know. You are cool. You're a cool boy, Shane. Man, (laughs) and you're definitely not a natural failure. So you got the right name there. (laughs) No, there's no Nat Ones. Exactly. (laughs) Um, I actually roll more Nat Ones than anybody I know.
1: So it's kind of ironic. (laughs)
0: You know, someone told me. I forgot who it was, but somebody said that that every time you uh, you roll like a net one in something that you get you hear you never hear the end of it.
1: I think it was was it Chuck? It
0: probably, was probably Chuck. Chuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Chuck. Uh, anyway, we oh, man digressed. I guess I'll just finish up by saying that like. Uh, I think, luckily, because of the content that we make focusing on role-playing games, role-playing games are evergreen in that no two role-playing games are the same. There are a lot of shared things. Absolutely. One of the reasons why I haven't done the type of content that, like, Ink and Aiden do is because they cover, like, very short, relatable jokes that, like, everybody sort of, like, you know, can sort of, like, relate to on some level. But, like, I've also mm-hmm. se- seen it done a lot of times, right? Like, I'm I'm... I played so many of, of those types of things that it doesn't make me laugh a lot. And so I'm like, well, I'm not going to make anything that doesn't make me giggle like a fiend. You know, if I'm going to do like funny content, but then that means I become a perfectionist with humor too. So then I end up not making any funny content at all. And then I'm just <laughs> not the funny guy like Aiden, who just has funny joke, haha comes out and then boom, everybody loves it because he doesn't limit right? himself, you know,
1: I, that is an absolute mood for me. And and part of it comes I come across to my own self as an elitist because I'm like, oh, I could make this joke, but oh, it's it's too easy. You know, that joke is too easy, you know, too many people will get it, or something like that. You know, and for some reason I don't want to make the easy joke. And I don't know why, but part of me is like, oh, I wanna be that that, that big, super clever, innuendo, three-layer deep wordplay joke. But that's not what people want. I, that's what like a very small percentage of people will enjoy. But people
0: really do love just the haha that silly laugh. He got hit on the head with a coconut. Yeah, I mean, there's there's something to be said about it all. And I think that, but I don't think there's anything wrong with not going for low-hanging fruit. Like seeing something really easy and seeing that knowing that this joke has been made a million times and thinking, how else could I approach this? That's healthy. That is a healthy approach. you're like, what else could I do with this that could be funny? That's not the thing that is my knee-jerk reaction, you know? Right. Um,
1: comedy's, comedy's tough because it's so subjective. It is. Um, I, I will I will always defend the fact that comedy is harder than tragedy.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. It absolutely is. Timing is more important. Tragedy is mm-hmm. with uh, drama acting, uh, there's a lot more mm-hmm. room for interpretation and, and what you want to do to like display something. With comedy, mm-hmm. it's like it's less art, more science, I've noticed.
1: It really is, because with drama, the subject matter itself can often carry it up and forward for you. Whereas with comedy, it's all about the delivery, the subject. I mean, you can see stand up comics. They can make a joke out of almost anything. It's not necessarily the words they're saying, but how they're saying. them. Mm -hmm. And that is just as true for really anything on YouTube. So much of it is not about uh, the content, but how you deliver it.
0: Absolutely. This is a comedy master class with uh, Brogan and yep. Shane. <laughs>
1: you can uh, find our paid classes for $100 a session in the description. This episode's <coughs>
0: sponsored by uh, nothing. Skillshare. Off <laughs> <laughs> uh, only. But, uh, yeah, like, I've, I've done I've made some live action stuff in, in college. and there And there's mm-hmm. actually videos of me on YouTube for, like, film festival stuff that people are really determined they might be able to find. Um, (laughs) And it's like, it was fun, but like live action stuff. I always was like, I kind of need, I need like an area to film. And I also need like prop pieces and stuff and all sorts of things. I'm like that. There's a lot of uh, unspoken costs that go with that. Uh, And if you've already got all that stuff, it's like, you know, it, it lends itself easily, but like when it's just me too and I can't count on anyone in my real life to help me out with it, it's like, uh, I'll just do animation because with that, I don't need other people to be around. I can just represent whatever I need to represent <laughs> with some drawings. That's that makes a lot of sense. Like
1: there, there are definitely times where I'm like, man, I wish I had like a dedicated cameraman so I could do this crazy wacky bit with a camera like tracking me. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't like people being around when I record because for some reason I'm embarrassed of what I'm doing as I'm doing it. I don't know why I'm an actor and I've always been this way. Like, even when I was a kid in theater, I would not like to rehearse and run lines at home if my parents were home because in my brain, I'm like, but they'll hear me running lines. And for some reason, that's embarrassing.
0: (laughs) No, I get that, too. I don't. I don't, I just don't like, I'm that way more with like working out and exercising. I don't like people seeing me exercise because I feel vulnerable in that moment. Like I'm trying to better myself and my health and everything. And someone can see me in this moment struggling to do that. And then I feel weaker Mm -hmm. somehow. Like, like it's better to just not exercise and just keep my poise, (laughs) but be unhealthy. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I I think you've actually hit the nail on the head and explained something that I've been trying to figure out for a decade. I think it's vulnerability. I don't know why. But, yeah, I think when I'm rehearsing lines, when I'm recording a video, for, I do feel vulnerable. I don't know exactly why, but that is definitely the feeling. Yeah. And so you have you have unlocked something in my brain, and
0: I appreciate I, that. Yeah, no worries. I think it's also like an art thing. Like, when you have unfinished, an unfinished art piece, you don't want to, like, show the world the work in progress if it's not done, right? Like, you want to mm-hmm. r- unveil it. Like, here is the finished piece. Lots of blood, sweat, and tears went into making this happen. You know the but the behind the scenes magic, that's for me. That's not for you. Here's what you get to see and appreciate, and hopefully you see and appreciate it, right? Exactly.
1: yeah, I absolutely feel that way. That's why uh, I've been looking into hiring an editor for my YouTube videos, and I actually have one who edits occasionally for me. But recording for an editor feels so different because a, I don't want to accidentally say something that they're not supposed to hear. Because I'll, I'll talk to myself between takes of a recording, you know, and, and I don't want to give away, like, personal information or some important thing like that. <laughs> Whereas, you know, if I'm the one editing it, I can say whatever I want. I can cut it out easy. But, like, when I'm sending it to another editor, like, I'll, I'll be fully transparent. You know, I'll, I'll like, burp between takes because I'm like, oh, no one's going to see it. I can burp. It's fine. Right. But then I realize I'm sending this to my editor and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs>
0: It's like yeah, did you want me to keep in the part where you said that you hate women? Is that is that all right? Do we keep that in, or do you want me to cut that?
1: Uh, which answer is worse?
0: <laughs> I think it'd be funny if you just bleep women, just bleep it, and it'd be fine. Just bleep okay. women. Let the
1: comments <laughs> fill in what they want. Man, I hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: it's the behind the scenes type of stuff is really interesting. So much. It's it's insane.
1: What I'm so curious about is, you know, I'm I'm at the point where I'm at, and I'm already looking to hire, like, an editor, and honestly, potentially even a marketing manager at some point once I have the money for it, but I'm looking at these people, you know, like, like Joe, like Jacob, like Logan, and I'm curious, I never hear anything about anyone working behind the scenes with them, so I don't know if they're just
0: one-man armies or not. I, Which, um, you know, I, that's interesting. I think in the case of Jake, I think Spencer does a lot with. I think they're like a team, so mm-hmm. like they, because I know she she films those skits for the most part. I don't know how yeah. much of it is editing by her or him, or if they take turns or what. The but I know that right. there's like a bit of like a, a teamwork dynamic there. And then with Logan, I think Logan just kind of does it on his own. Like he's a trooper. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, can, Same I can with Davy.
0: Dabby's the similar a similar way. No um as for joe i know joe does a lot of collaborative stuff with people but i also know joe is like a workhorse and will just do like ungodly amounts of work on his own uh so i'm not i'm really unsure like like basically i'm just this is a long-winded way of saying i agree with you and i don't know (laughs) uh I, but I'll, I do yeah. I, I do know that it's a lot less help than we, we than we'd expect, I think, is what I'm trying to say. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I am honestly I am envious of that workhorse work ethic. Because that is one thing that I absolutely struggle with, is I'll get everything set up, but I am such a sucker for A, procrastination, and B, distraction. And they usually go hand in hand. You know, I'll look at the clock and I'll be like, okay, I have six hours to get this video recorded and edited. Easy. And then I'll, I'll, like, open everything, get it all set up, and I'll be like, eh, I can play video games for an hour. I'll still have five whole hours to get this done. And then it'll be an hour later. I'm playing my game, and I'm like, I can play another hour. I'll still have four. And it just goes on and on until I'm like, why do I have 20 minutes left? And yeah. it's it's really unfortunate. And I, I don't, I need to figure out ways to to beat it. Because it does, it really limits my capacity as a creator and it's easily my biggest flaw. I could do so much more high quality work and more work in general. But I shirk a lot just because there are days, you know, similar to those days we talked about in the cold open, you know, where you're just feeling like a lump on the bed. It's so easy to say, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. I'll do
0: it later. Yeah, especially like... At least in my case, with ADHD, you sometimes physically just can't do it. Like, yesterday was one of those days where I had things I wanted to do, and I couldn't bring... I couldn't muster the attention span and Mm -hmm. the effort to get some of the things I wanted to get done, done. I feel that. Like, I was able to do a little bit of audio editing for, like, a couple animations I'm going to be doing soon, which was something, I guess. And then, like... I got sucked into watching clips from *Terminators* one and (laughs) two, and then I wanted to recreate uh, music from one of the scenes in *Terminator* one, and so I did that. And so I felt good, even though I had no intentions of doing anything with that music. I felt good that I at least did something. I was somewhat productive in some capacity, even though none of that shit was stuff that I wanted. Like there was another thing that I really needed to get to that I didn't. That I have to do either today or tomorrow instead, you know.
1: There's definitely something to be said for completing things that are personally satisfying, even if they are not satisfying towards your work or career. Um, You know, there are there are days where I could easily make a specific video about a specific topic that I know will perform well. But if I absolutely need to, I will instead make a comedy skit or, or some stupid little video Even though I know it'll perform worse on YouTube, it makes me feel better because I have more fun with it. And I know if I force myself to just create this content because I have to, I'm going to start to resent the job. And I don't want to do that. You know, I love this job. And I don't want to get to a point. I guess I don't want to get to a point where this job feels like a job. You know, it still feels like a fun game related hobby. And I don't want to get to that point where I. Wake up in the morning thinking, Ugh, I have to go edit this video. Because I do have dates like that
0: and it's it's rough. It is. I mean, but that's also part of the reason why your venture was successful, is that you kept the fun in it. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a job. Uh not to call out specific people mm-hmm. uh, who I, I respect, but uh Aaron Hansen of Game Grump's oh. Fame, who mm-hmm. went by Raptor back in the day, right? Decided That he didn't want to keep doing animations, right? Sure. Now, that's his decision. Some people are very salty about it, and they hold it against (laughs) him, but it's not their fucking decision to make whether or not he animates, right? However, when he started Game Grumps uh, back in the day, right? Like, it was a lot of fun. It felt like I felt like he was like, oh, this is new and exciting. Yeah, it's a Mm -hmm. little bit silly, because they've seen Let's Plays at that point, but like he was really enjoying it with Dan and everything. I, st- I like unsub from the channel. And the reason I did was because it felt very corporate and it felt very samey. It felt like Nowadays. He, now he's just clocking in for a day on the job and that this isn't really exciting or fun for him anymore, especially because he's managing all these other subsidiary things besides that show that he's always like tired mm-hmm. and like it just wasn't interesting to me anymore because it's like, well, this guy's not having fun anymore. And Danny's not really in control. He's just sort of on the couch. Exactly.
1: Dan is being Dan. He does Dan things.
0: He pretends he doesn't know
1: how to play video games after doing nothing but watch and play video games for 10 years. Dan!
0: (laughs) Right. He generally doesn't play the games. It's almost always Aaron. And then it's like Aaron gets mad. Everybody goes, ah, it's funny. (laughs) It's like, look, I'm not, I, I don't dislike either of them. It's just it's not entertaining to me anymore because it doesn't feel like they're having as much fun as they used to it feels like Mm -hmm. again just clocking in for for the job it's only interesting when they have a guest on because it's like oh god brush a fresh a fresh breath of air um you know like somebody who isn't entrenched in this sort of same day in day out type Mm -hmm. of mentality which maybe i'm projecting that onto them maybe that's not it at all and i'm way off the mark i don't
1: think you're wrong i do agree with you because if you look two years ago you know two years ago they were still in that very samey every series kind of felt the same and hit those game grumps tropes but then they did the 10 minute power hour where you could tell they were loving it they were enjoying it doing things besides playing video games and you could see They were excited and happy to do it, and their reactions were mostly real, except for like the staged bits. Whereas, yeah, you compare it to their modern playthroughs, and it's a very different energy.
0: It is, for sure. And like, I've been getting a very similar feeling from uh, Super Mega. I don't know if you've paid attention to them. Yeah, yeah. Like, when they started out, I think it was very new and exciting, uh, and I think they've sort of... It's not quite the same. I think they enjoy their work, but I also think that, like, they want to do other things besides Mm -hmm. Let's Plays, and so we don't really see it a lot, and when they do do Let's Plays, it's not really, it's not as uh, hilarious as it used to be, and I'm not sure if that's just me getting tired of them as, like, hosts, or if it's just, uh, they're not having fun with it anymore, which is my initial point, which was, like, you are still seeking to have fun with your content creation. And I think that's the key. If you're not having fun with it, we, the audience, we pick up on it. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, absolutely. You can tell when a creator is not enjoying what they're doing or if they're just doing it to get it done. You know, I'm sure there's a few videos on my own channel that come across that way because I know I made them like that. And it's, it's scary because if that happens enough for a creator you know, like you said, the fans will pick up on it. They will stop watching. That'll lead to a decline in metrics, which is just going to upset the creator who's already forcing themselves to do this. And it's really a downward spiral. And I've seen multiple creators, you know, shut down their channels because of it. It's sad.
0: Yeah, it's one of the things I think uh, people are a lot more understanding nowadays because it's happened so many times. The the nature of doing content creation on a platform like youtube means that you don't have a strict boss who's saying i need pictures of spider-man by tomorrow (laughs) like you might have your own schedule that you're upkeeping and hey if you're as big as game groups maybe you actually own a business where you have a upload schedule but those will change they're subject to change based on the condition of the people doing the work right and if they are like finding it hard to come up with fresh new ideas or things that they're passionate about it is very understand- understandable and within the rights to like say we're gonna go on hiatus or we're gonna change this schedule up because it ain't working for us right now mm-hmm. like for example uh it's, it's just in our community uh whistle while you work she kind of got big doing like speed paints and she talked over the speed paints uh doing these like uh D stories that she mm-hmm kind of been through Uh, a lot of times they were like horror story type moments but like she only has so many negative horror stories right and she's kind of gone through them all so she kind of she stopped for a bit because she's like yeah i don't have any more like awful stories like i'm i'm out like i'm actually playing in some games that i really enjoy with people i really like like so i'm having a lot of fun now
1: (laughs) yeah no absolutely it's it's, that is the biggest downfall of Building your brand around some kind of negative experience. And I'm not not like trying to throw shade or anything like that. I respect anybody who even attempts content creation. It's hard, but if you center what you do around negative experiences, one of two things is going to happen. One, you're going to run out of negative experiences because even though we think about them more, they are less common than good experiences or even worse, in my opinion. You are going to seek out and keep having negative experiences on purpose. So you keep having something to talk about and you're going to make yourself miserable from doing so, you know?
0: Yeah. It's, I think. T- oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: Uh, I was going to say, I think someone who has managed to make this work is crit crab. Because I was they're just not, about to say yeah, it. I was just about his yes. experiences. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah, you got me.
0: Yeah. He, cause he does, it's not his stories. Mm -hmm. It's Reddit stories, but he does put work in in that it's, uh, well, it's somewhat animated and he reads them himself. It's not, he he puts it into a bot and churns it out on some sort of like fucking formulaic thing. It's like he stops, he pauses the thing. He has his own like, you know, lingo for his channel and everything. Like Mm -hmm. he makes it his own and uh, even says that there is work in just researching and finding good stories because sometimes people will make up shit they'll like invent bullshit so he has to sort of like find the ones that aren't made up that are genuine stories that have like a sort of uh you know corroboration to them of some kind or at the very least they're like consistent enough to be reasonably believable right right
1: and they still need to make a good story you know i'm sure there's tons out there of you know worst gm ever he didn't let me take an extra feat the end (laughs) right yeah yeah Um, yeah, I will. I will say I have wanted to do something like that for so long, but I don't want to step on crit crabs toes and look like I'm trying to copy him. And that is what is so hard about trying to branch out. And and I've been told by multiple people, you shouldn't think of it that way. Like you're not doing the same thing as someone you're adding your own personal flair and whatnot, but it's really hard you know, part of me wants to find a horror story and make a video telling it, make giving it that dramatic storytelling flair. But I guess part of me's scared of the, wow, you're just copying Crit Crab kind of comments, you know?
0: Well, I mean, you might be able to find that stuff on. Uh, I guess, it, I, I don't know what the subreddit's called. It might be RPG Horror Stories, maybe. But like. Yeah. Uh, if there's a Pathfinder variant like let's let's get to like talking about that for a bit cuz
1: <laughs> what Pathfinder you do, that's like not that's not part of my brand at all.
0: Yeah, you do Pathfinder <laughs> specifically as opposed to uh, D&D 5e cuz mm-hmm. everyone in the grandma is doing 5e stuff. <laughs> uh, but Pathfinder is It's still very popular because Paizo is very good at what they do, Mm. but it's also always going to be second fiddle to D&D owned by Wizards. Everybody knows it. You know, everyone's Mm -hmm. familiar with that.
1: Yeah, especially with things like Stranger Things and Critical Role in the last five years, nothing's going to compete with D&D anytime soon. It is at the height of its career.
0: Absolutely. And it's only getting higher is the thing. It's like it there's still it's still even at it's height right now. There's still such a small percentage of people in like mainstream like the mainstream world that actually uh is in like playing D&D. Right. That there's so much more room for growth there, right? And mm-hmm. and when I say D&D again, I also mean just like uh Pathfinder and all the, these other role-playing yeah. games in general.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Obviously D&D is much more mainstream than it was, you know, 15 years ago. Um And that I do mostly mean D&D. But I think the mistake a lot of people make, I think there's two big mistakes people make. The first is the thought of D&D is the most popular. Why should I play anything else? Which, I mean, I guess if you enjoy it and you don't want to experience anything else, sure. But just because something is less popular does not mean it's inherently worse. Uh, The second one is not comparing different systems to each other there's nothing wrong with with comparing mechanics and having a favorite but i think it's also important to look at every system out there and not just D and pathfinder but call of cthulhu Shadowrun, uh dragon age all of them and look at their merits on their own rather than trying to compare them people seem to have this idea that you can play one system you're allowed to say you like one system and no more When in reality, you can play whatever the heck you want. You know, right now, weekly, I'm playing a Pathfinder game, a 5e game. Uh, two Pathfinder games, a 5e game and a 3.5 game every week. I'm playing three systems a week and I love all of them for different reasons. You know, 3.5 really has that classic D&D mechanics feel. There's some fun things to toy around with and manipulate. Uh, whereas 5e has that nice simplistic mechanical rule set. I can get much deeper into my character because I don't really need to worry about the rules pretty much at all. And then Pathfinder 2e has a really nice balance where I get to think about my character, think about my players, play around with all the different toys Paizo has invented with all the different feats and items and monsters and everything they've done with it and they all serve a different purpose and I think it's been kind of toxic when people are like this system is arbitrarily better when that's not
0: true (laughs) I am so glad to hear you say all this because it really is the truth I started with Pathfinder first edition okay cool and uh classic D &D. like for people who don't know, Pathfinder first edition and 3.5 are almost identical in many ways. There's just very, there's a few differences uh, between the two systems, but like they're almost the same. Same base. And like, yeah, yeah. Same, same core mechanics and stuff. You can easily convert something from one to the other and vice versa. But uh, with, with Pathfinder and 3.5, it was the classic, this is a game, right? Like, this is we are dungeon crawling we are uh fighting things that that are deadly people die every other session (laughs) and then make new characters and come back with and so no one gets super duper attached to their characters unless they've been with them for a while you know like the the backstory thing it's like yeah we wrote backstories but like we were very like ready for characters to be killed unceremoniously and then have to make a new character.
1: You see, interestingly, I don't think that's system dependent. I think that's 100% table dependent. My 3.5 game has been incredibly, you know, there have been some dangerous situations. But honestly, my 3.5 game does more roleplay than combat. We maybe fight once every two months. Other than that, it's been entirely role play focused.
0: You you might be right in that. I just I know that the system does lend itself to character death more. It's more unforgiving because, and I, I described this on a previous episode with um the, the voice actor I had on Spencer. Uh, he was talking about how he likes Pathfinder. And I was saying, and he told this really crazy story of, like, a, a T-Rex doing a sonic roar that liquefied a bear. <laughs> and I'm like, that's such a Pathfinder thing. Because, like, there's a, like, for example, badgers. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a beast, a little animal, right? Yes. Uh, in 5e, it's nothing. It's absolutely nothing and could be easily dispatched uh, even at level one. It's not really going to be much of a danger to you. Uh, in pa- like Pathfinder 1st and 2nd edition, badgers have like barbarian rage and deal a fuck ton of damage and you can easily be killed by badgers in that system and like that's very common across the board where there are a lot of seemingly, oh I can handle this type of situations that are very much not like that at all and they're <laughs> extremely dangerous and they don't seem that way, like I had a character that was like uh, water Genasi, or I guess she was an undying in that system. And uh, she got um, torn apart by a crocodile. Uh, just absolutely fucking demolished. She was like a monk and had all this cool shit, and just none of that shit like could help her against this crocodile <laughs> that killed her very quickly after I made her. And it was very disheartening, and I was upset. <laughs> That's sad. Um, yeah, but it's like that system maybe you're right maybe it was my dm or whoever just ran it more unforgiving it's very possible when we but the same group though transferred over to 5e and 5e almost nobody dies and i think that's because the system is a lot more forgiving with like healing between rests yeah yeah because 5e sets you to full health on a long rest right exactly yeah and uh, because of its simplicity it's really easy to kind of figure out ways to just not get killed huh. in fact I played a, I played a fighter at one point I was trying to get myself killed and I couldn't I was too <laughs> invincible to be killed and I was like hoping that my DM would send deadly like hyper deadly encounters like I think he at one point sent uh, an adult dragon at us but he made it at half health and I was like gripping my head like Why didn't you just send it at full health, man? Just let me die. (laughs) Let me die in a blaze of glory. Damn it. Oh, man.
1: No, I I will say the older editions were definitely more lethal, especially if you played them rules as written. You know, anything can be homebrewed Uh, in my. So about five years ago now, we played. So it wasn't D&D First Edition. It also wasn't Advanced D&D. It was known as D&D Black Box. Are you uh, familiar with it at all?
0: No, I've never heard of that.
1: Uh, so when when First Edition D&D was pretty much done, two companies were actually given the rights to make them. Uh, one of them made a and d and took off a lot more. Uh, the other one made what's called D&D Basic, which was like a box that you purchased and had everything in it you needed to play. It was completely unaffiliated with uh, Advanced D&D, but it had a lot of the same things. You know, It still used FACO. It still used all the original saves. It was much more similar to first edition, whereas AD&D changed a lot. Uh, I I guess you can almost think of it as Pathfinder and fourth edition in differences. But, Mm. you know, we followed the rules to AT, our level eight wizard. You know, wizards only got a D4 hit die and he had a negative one constitution modifier. So when he leveled up. He typically only got one or two hit points per level. So they're level eight and he has, I think, 14 hit points at level eight. And he, you know, we've been playing this campaign for six months and he happens to get targeted by a spell that does 3d8 damage. And I happen to roll 24. So he took so much damage. He went past negative con modifier, which rules as written is instant death. Like. That doesn't happen in 5e. What's the rules for 5e instant death? If you take more than double your max HP, you die?
0: No, you gotta you have to take an amount of damage from one source that exceeds your uh, Max hit points after reaching zero essentially. Okay, so like so if you're if you had say 14 hit points was your max and you were at 2 And then someone hit you for 16, that would be instant death.
1: Gotcha. But that's that's still so hard to do. You know, once you're level two or three and you've got 20 plus hit points, you know, nothing at that level is going to hit you for 30, 40 damage unless it's way higher level than you.
0: Right. Or if you fall from a high height or something. Yeah,
1: I've heard I've heard it as a common complaint. But yeah, past level like three or four, death is not a concern in 5e. And I absolutely feel that unless you're fighting some crazy things. But what's also so funny is how imbalanced and easy it is to die at like level one in 5e. Have you ever heard the giant crab and commoner
0: comparison? Uh, I have not, but I, um, I, I sympathize that level one sucks. Yep. I'm not a fan of level one in almost any edition, unless it's going to be this grand epic campaign. That's fair. Um, And 5e, it's like. It's so simplistic, the, the system. It's like level one is torture to play. I, agree. I ha- absolutely hate it, and I yep. refuse to do it from <laughs> this point forward.
1: The, uh, b- before I lose it, the, uh, the comparison. Uh, the giant crab is a level one-eighth challenge rating. Um, mm-hmm. And a, a normal humanoid commoner has four hit points. The giant crab, if it lands a hit, deals 1d6 plus one. That is an average of four damage. So, if a single giant crab lands a hit on a commoner, they are probably dead in one hit.
0: I always thought the four hit points thing was kind of stupid. That's I have so some, uh, I have some civilians in a game that I'm uh, DMing or waiting to DM. We've been on a hiatus because our schedules aren't uh, agreeing at the moment. But mm-hmm. the I have civilians, civilian NPCs that are like you know important to the story in some way or, uh, or form, but like. No way in hell am I giving them four hit points. Like, that's stupid. I I gave, I think the lowest is nine hit points and the highest is like 18. Yeah. Uh,
1: I like what Pathfinder does where it basically says any, if the GM has full discretion, whether zero hit points on any creature is death or death saving throws. And that makes Mm -hmm. more sense. You know, if an NPC, if they have low health, at least they can still make death saves. To keep them around, and then you know if they fail their death saves and get myrtilized, then sure, maybe they just weren't meant to survive, but you don't get any of those just instant okay, they're dead, okay, they're dead, yeah,
0: but uh, with so so with Pathfinder, like I'm actually playing in a two e game right now, oh cool uh yeah it's a it's a, like a stream game every Friday, and I've noticed with two e since we haven't really talked we've been talking about like uh, older editions <laughs> and stuff, yeah. I it's definitely more complex. I don't want people out there to think that this is like as simple as 5e. It's definitely yeah, not.
1: Compared to 5e, absolutely not.
0: But it's also once you understand the core differences, it's not hard to figure out. Like have, yeah. The the most complicated thing for me was building a character because mm-hmm. I was having trouble figuring out numbers like how to like how you determine ability scores. Starting out and like all this other stuff because it's in the book. I have the uh, the core rule book, it is not it clearly is described <laughs> in character creation, it is I, extremely convoluted. And they yep. could have easily streamlined the explanation without changing any rules, and they didn't. And that, yeah, so
1: for some reason, the skeleton of like the step by step how to make a character is in the middle. Of the create a character chapter, not at the beginning, not at the end. It is in the middle, so unless you are flipping page to page and looking for it, you're not going to find it. The core rulebook is terrible and will have you flipping back and forth and back and forth trying to find things. Archives of Nethys is your friend.
0: Yep, yep. (laughs) Archives of Nethys, it's like the... For first edition Pathfinder, the, the PFSRD... Uh, that you can find mm-hmm. online and that was the sort of online resource for all that Archives of Nethus is the 2E version of that which has all the spells yep. you'll need Like, like you were just saying this past couple months they released new stuff so I was like getting ready for my game like alright what spells am I going to prepare I'm a cleric and I'm like I've never seen half of these spells. where did all these spells come from? I'm like, oh secrets of magic that's a new thing that they release. Cool. I've got like all these new spells I'm able to prepare. So like I don't no. I didn't need to like I'm not saying people shouldn't buy uh, the the materials. I think that that's totally awesome and it supports the um, the game makers but like mm-hmm. it also lets me know like this SRD does when they come out with new stuff and then I can determine oh, this is really cool maybe I should buy that.
1: And that's, what's a, that's a very fascinating aspect of Paizo as a company. They've almost sort of become a buy our stuff if you want to support us company, which has its merits. You know, being able to play these games for free is incredible. But as a company, that's also really dangerous. You know, they're going to lose out on a lot of potential sales because a lot of people are going to say it's all online for free. Why would I buy a book?
0: Yeah, I, I still I like that business practice, though, just because it's d d Beyond came out, right? And mm-hmm. I understand <laughs> why like it was sort of like necessary to have it in this digital age we live in. But I have I own the books. I bought the books. I have their ISBNs or whatever, like their little codes in the back. I cannot register the books that I own on D&D Beyond. I have to buy them again in order to get them on there. And that is the dumbest shit in the world. Wizards, if you're listening, please don't hate me. I would love you to sponsor me. But that (laughs) shit is dumb and you know it. You absolutely know it. At the very least, give
1: like a hearty discount or something. I think they do give give a discount,
0: but it ain't hearty it's, it it's, still, it's still like
1: work. 30 bucks a book on D&D Beyond, right? The only one I've ever purchased is Tasha's so I could re- review it on stream. And they don't even give you a PDF. Yep. I, I can't get beyond, behind that. That's what's ridiculous to me. Like, you don't get a PDF of the book you bought. You just get access on the website. It's ludicrous.
0: And look, I I buy the books in person. I I support Wizards of the Coast, even though their business practices are not necessarily agreeable all the time. I love having these books, right? I like having that collection. Plus, Mm -hmm. I like being able to just like instead of having to like look it up and depend on my internet connection, which sometimes can fuck up, I can just have the book here. Alright, here it is, you know? Yeah. Anyway, look time has flown by. It's already been over an hour uh let's let's wrap it up why don't you tell all everybody right. where they can find you
1: all right all right so so primarily obviously you can find me at youtube.com slash known ones that is where i do most of my stuff n zero n a t the number one the letter s uh, i'm also on twitter at known those are my two big places you can find me where i post stuff uh, i also have a website known ones.com if you want to check out some cool art that we've been working on uh, that's sort of been our biggest project lately. We just uh, released a, an official No Not Ones merchandise line featuring unique, iconic characters that we've created as a team. They're all super cool. Check them out at notones dot uh, My big project, and this hasn't been announced anywhere else. I don't know is I don't is this going to be out by the start of November? This episode?
0: Um, by November. I mean, this is probably going to be out during November, but during not November. like okay. before November.
1: Then we are currently in the middle of Nonat November. And yes, the name is on purpose, uh, which is sort of a big project I'm gonna hate myself for doing, uh, but I am currently in the middle of releasing one video a day for the entire month of November. Ooh. We'll see if I get through it. If this comes out in the middle of November, you'll be able to see if I've stuck to it or not. But yeah, that's the plan. 30 or 31, however many days are in November, that many unique videos all in one month. It's a terrible idea, but that's my big project I'm working on right now. So goodbye free time
0: (laughs) awesome Uh, thank you for coming on brogan i really appreciated having you thanks for
1: having me shane this was a blast it was nice and comfortable this is i i love this this is kind of my favorite interview quote-unquote question mark my favorite kind of thing to do is where i just get to sit here with someone who has the same hobby as me and just shoot the shit you know it just it
0: it's nice it is (laughs) absolutely nice